Welcome to another episode of EIU Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Moser. On this week's episode, we hit the links as we talk with former Eastern Illinois men's golfer David Lawrence. Lawrence talks about his time playing at Eastern Illinois, where he posted several first-place tournament finishes and was runner-up at the OBC Championship. He also recalls some early advice coach Mike Monsell gave him as he looked to turn pro and make a living playing golf. Lawrence is currently playing on the PGA Latino America Tour and has one PGA tournament appearance at the John Deere Classic. If you like this episode of EIU Panthers podcast and want to hear more, then be sure to follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio podcast. Simply search EIU Panthers podcast. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panthers Athletics. Visit Consolidated.com today to learn more about how Consolidated Communications can help provide data, internet, phone, and cloud services for your business. That's Consolidated Communications at Consolidated.com. In EIU Athletics news, the Panthers basketball teams wrap up the regular season this week with home games at first midcourt at Lance Arena. The EIU softball and baseball teams look to continue their hot starts to the season with games on the road, and the weekend ends with EIU football home opener on Sunday. To stay up to date on a very busy schedule of EIU Panther athletics this spring, be sure to visit our official athletic website at eiupanthers.com, which provides scores, schedules, and more. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at EIU underscore Panthers. Now, a quick 18 with former EIU golfer David Lawrence on episode 31 of EIU Panthers podcast. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We're joined today by a person who's probably enjoying where they're living right now more than some of us in the Midwest, former EIU golfer David Lawrence. And David joins us from down in, in Florida right now, where I'm, I'm guessing the weather is much better than what we're getting right now in the Midwest. Uh, a little bit. You could go ahead and say that. <laughs> well, David, for you, for I was telling you right before we started here, I ran into Coach Monsell, your, your golf coach, in the hallway. And Mike's still wearing shorts, as you would imagine. It, the, the cold weather doesn't seem to ever bother him. But, you know, as a guy growing up in, in the Midwest, you got used to this playing golf. How difficult was it, you know, kind of growing up with a golfer that wants to be outside that when you get hit – with weather like this, where there's snow on the course and you don't know when you'll be able to get back out there again. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's really tough. Um, I think, you know, growing up, it wasn't a big issue because I actually wasn't a golfer growing up. You know, I played baseball, I played basketball. So when winter hit, you know, I was in the gym playing basketball. And then you know, when the weather warmed up, we went out to baseball. And so really the, the seasonality of things in the Midwest growing up didn't affect me. But once I picked up golf and then started playing at a high level and then you know coming to eastern illinois obviously the winters did hit us hard especially being in the obc um you know being one of the northernmost teams you know spring rolled around and we hadn't necessarily played as much as the other teams so we had to work smarter not harder now you talk about the, the picking up golf late in life and and interestingly enough how i was able to track you down is actually through your father who is a, a golf coach at augusta college in in Georgia right now, and you're listed as an assistant coach on there as as well as your sister. Is your dad the one that kind of got you into golf, or is, did somebody else kind of turn you on to it? Yeah, so the funny thing about that is we were never really a golf family. 
Um, once I started playing a little bit more, uh, I got a junior membership at Oakwood Country Club and my parents were taking me there and dropping me off more than anything else. So they ended up joining and, uh, you know, my sisters enjoyed the pool more than any, yep. anything on the golf course. And we all just kind of, uh, as I began playing more, they started playing and, uh, both of my sisters played for Augustana college, which is actually in rock Island, Illinois. So okay. they're dealing with the cold weather as now as well. And, uh, so my sister ended up playing there and then my dad is an alumni of Augustana college. And so is my mother and my dad ended up uh, taking that position. And when Jenna graduated, she hopped on as an assistant coach as well. So it's kind of a family affair now there. And it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Now you, you talk about that. I mean, I guess how unique is that? Maybe not as unique as you would think. And, and it was interesting if, if I'm doing my time right, you would have crossed over with some of maybe the Ambergia family and they, they were kind of a, a golf family as well. At, at one point in time, four of the assemblies were on, on the team here at Eastern. I think you might've played with the, the younger two brothers. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike and Matt were a couple of guys that I really, really looked up to. Um, when I was coming in as a freshman, they were kind of the leaders. They were, they were the older guys and, you know, they really put their, their name out there. When I came in, I, I knew about the Ambrosia family and, uh, and Katie was on the women's team while I was on the men's team. And, you know, just, I can't say enough awesome things about their, about their family. Now. So, you know, family affairs, golf ends up being one of those sports that, that can tend, lend itself to that. Is there a, a sibling rivalry that goes on? I know you mentioned your two sisters, they, they played golf, um, Augustana, not as high of a level as Eastern Illinois in terms of ranking, but you know, level of golf doesn't necessarily equate to how good the golfers are that play at those schools. Right. Yeah. You know, instead of more of a rivalry, I think uh, I was just proud that both of my sisters wanted to do what I did, you know, as a, as an older brother that says a lot, you know, you want your, your sisters to look up to you. And I'm very proud that they both played golf in college because you know, I'm not sure that's necessarily what they had planned on doing or had wanted to do. Both of them um, did gymnastics at an extremely high level. So they're just better athletes than I am in general. So I was a little bit jealous with how quickly they picked up the game of golf, but I was very um, happy when they decided they want to play. And I was able to kind of uh, teach them some things that, you know, I wish I wish I would have known from a younger age. Now, you ended up coming to Eastern Illinois, and, and Eastern is, uh, like you said, one of the northernmost schools in the conference we're in. What kind of maybe attracted you to, to come to Eastern? I, I know when you meet Mike Monsell, he's a very personable guy, but I don't know that, that Mike, um, Mike has probably a different recruiting style than any other coach I've ever met. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, and it really was. I mean, Coach Monsell was the number one reason. Uh, like I said, growing up as a baseball player and a basketball player, I was uh, I was rough around the edges when it came to golf. And I mean, Mike's resume speaks for itself, whether it's playing or teaching. And uh, I wanted to go somewhere where I could see what I could do in this game. And I knew that uh, working with Mike was going to give me, you know, the opportunity to do that. And I became very close with coach and he really changed my game. I put in the work, but he led me in the right direction. And, and the work paid off for you. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, your, your numbers stand up with anybody that's ever played golf here at Eastern, uh, a couple tournament victories, some, some great rounds that, that you had, and then a, a second place finish in the OVC tournament and the OVC golf. When, when people think about that, 
there are several guys that are, that are playing professionally. And we'll, we'll talk about your professional career, but you know, a guy that's won the masters, Danny Willett came out of the OVC. So the, the golf is high quality in this level in this league as well. Oh, absolutely. There's a ton of great players. And I was fortunate, you know, during my years to play against some as well. And uh, I appreciate you saying that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of my career at Eastern, especially considering it was essentially freshman year. I was not ready for college golf, let alone division one college golf. And, uh, you know, each summer I just uh, kind of put my head down and, and got to work. And each year we saw a little bit of improvement. And then uh, my junior year, I started to realize, hey, I can I can compete out here. And I got myself in contention a few times and had to fail in order to, to learn. And then uh, my senior year, you know, in our four 54 hole events, I finished first twice and second twice. So it was definitely a steady progression. And uh, I do have a lot of that to thank to Coach Monzo. We talked a lot about the golf swing, but also a lot mentally. And the mental side of golf is, as everyone knows, is as important. Now, you, you talked about those. Is there a, and I don't want to, it may be a tournament or a round. And I know those are, those are hard to, to distinguish between the two of them because you can have a great round and an awful tournament, and then you can have a, a great tournament, but three average rounds. Is is there one of those right. that maybe maybe stands out a, a little bit more to you as kind of a shiny moment from, from your career playing at Eastern? Yeah, you know, ultimately the the conference championship is kind of what um, what we strive for. And so really being able to kind of kick it into gear in the spring after a long winter, you know, you talk about the weather you guys had my senior year, we had a long, pretty brutal winter. So being able to uh, get myself back into competitive shape and, and have a chance to win the conference championship. Uh, obviously I ended up finishing second tied with Patrick Newcomb, who I play with out on tour now. And, you know, we had an excellent battle. And even though that wasn't a tournament victory, I really felt like giving myself a chance to win was what I was there for. And that would probably be you know, the highlight of, of playing for Eastern Illinois. Now it's interesting that you, that you say that because it's um, golf is an individual sport. There's no doubt about it, but you, you play as a team in college, which is a, a different concept than when you want to go on and you want to play professionally. What is, what was the biggest adjustment for you as you went from playing as an individual, but on a team sport in college to then, you know, starting to, to play professionally. And, and in that sense, you play as an individual. Correct. Yeah. Golf is a unique sport. You know, when you're playing baseball or basketball, you really rely on your teammates heavily in every aspect in, in golf and tournament golf, especially in college. The best thing you can do for the team is to play well yourself. And sometimes that's difficult, but I always tried to use, okay, if I don't get off to a great start, you know, I'm not the type of person that's going to pack it in, but I would think, how can I help the team and, you know, grinding out whatever score necessary? Because when you take four or five scores, you never know what that last score is going to be. Around that you think you have no chance to count, you could be the difference. So I always tried to think about that. And I really always tried to impart that on my teammates, especially my younger teammates, because it is when you get off to a rough start, it's really easy to shut it down and say, ah, I'm not going to count today but you really have to just buckle down and you do that for the team more than for yourself. So then turning professional, the biggest thing that coach Monsell imparted on me was even par sucks. <laughs> and that's pretty harsh, yeah. but it's, it's true in college golf. If you shoot even par every round, you're 
close to a superstar in professional golf. If you shoot even par every round, you miss every cut and slam your trunk and on to the next one. That's a, that's an interesting concept because it's um, to, to equate it to a sport you talked about earlier in baseball. If you, if you fail, if you're successful three out of 10 times in baseball, you're hitting 300 and you know, you can be an all-star and make a lot of money. If you, you, you talk about there, if you're even, you're not good enough in golf. Correct. Correct. And you know, you talk about, getting used to three out of 10 being really good. If you look at guys on the PGA tour, if you win once a year, which is, you know, one out of 30, 40 events, you're one of the greatest players in the world. So there is some similarity in that success means different things. And you have to learn to take the positives out of weeks where even if you don't win, now you talk about you, you talk about some of those guys, and it, it, it what, what I think is interesting is there are there are lots of levels of professional golf, and I don't think the people that play golf and follow golf probably know that to the average person, they know Tiger Woods and they know a Phil Mickelson and they know a you know a Jordan Spieth, Spieth those those types of guys there who are you know living the glamorous life. But if you turn on a tournament two weeks ago those star guys aren't playing there. It's more the guys you're talking about who are trying to grind it out and get that win because you want to score points or make enough money till you can get an exemption to have an opportunity to make a living. Absolutely. You know, that's, uh, that's the cool thing is really it takes one week. So it's, it's unlike anything else because let's say, you know, a guy who you've never heard of gets an event and gets a shot and he wins. He now has a two-year exemption on tour. He's in the FedEx Cup. He's, and his life has changed. So that's, uh, you know, obviously that's part of the allure. You know, uh, anyone feels like they can do it in one week. But like you said, there's a lot of levels and there's a lot of great players at, uh, at all levels of professional golf. Now for you, I, I know we'll, we'll get to the PGA. You've had the opportunity to play at the, the elite level at the PGA level. You actually played in the, the John Deere event a couple of years ago, I guess. How did, how did, we'll talk about your, where you're at right now, but Let's look at that event. I would think that that's got to maybe be a, maybe a, a culminating event in your professional career, especially being a, a tournament, you're an Illinois native, a, a tournament that's based here in Illinois. How did you kind of get into that tournament? Kind of what was your reaction? And then how did you feel you played once you had that opportunity? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, to this point in my career, that's the biggest event that I've played in. And uh, I actually got the call on Monday morning before the Monday qualifier um, that I was in the event. And that was, uh, that was huge. Uh, you know, I played very nervous on Thursday. It was the first round I've played on the PGA tour and, uh, and it kind of showed, you know, there was thousands of people around who, who I've known, you know, it's basically in my backyard and I kind of put my blinders on and tried to pretend like nothing different was happening. So I kind of held it all inside and I went out and shot 73, which kind of puts you behind the eight ball again, you know, even par sucks <laughs> according to coach Monsell, And he's, he's not wrong. And uh, on Thursday night, I kind of sat down and I just said, Man, I didn't have a lot of fun out there today. And that's the craziest thing, right? I mean, this is something yeah. that we work for. It should be a blast. And I went out on Friday and uh, just kind of showed a little more emotion had a lot of fun. And obviously before every shot, I'm going through my routine, I'm snapping back into it. And I played really well. I shot 68. 
And it was a long afternoon. I was waiting. I was inside the cut line. I was outside. I ended up missing the cut on the number. But, you know, going into that event, I knew that I could compete and play with the best players in the world in my mind. But actually being out there and proving it, it just gives you another level of, okay, I belong. Now you go from that. That's by all means the the show, I guess, once again, to use a baseball term, but right now you, you're, you're a guy that that's, you know, you're in the minors, you're working your way through a couple of the different tours there. I think right now you're on the, the PGA Latino, Latino Americano tour. If I, if I, if I'm looking at how they're pronouncing that, right. But if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, based on some COVID stuff, you guys are actually playing events here in the U S which is maybe a little bit more of an advantage for you. Yes and no. Uh, so yeah, I'm on the PGA tour Latin America and I earned status last year. And like you said, the minor leagues is a great way to think about it. So when you go, you know, double A, triple A, and then the big show for this, uh, the top money earners on the PGA tour Latin America move up to the corn Ferry tour, which used to be the web.com tour. And then the top 25 on that money list move up to the PGA tour. Okay. So essentially two good, two good seasons. And you go from PGA tour Latin America to PGA tour, which is obviously where I want to be full time. Um, but we really have, haven't had much of a schedule. We've been shut down due to COVID and we did play one event, um, in the U S but that was a small field event. It wasn't really, um, you know, kind of a mainstream event. So we're just kind of waiting, still playing the waiting game and hoping that these uh, countries down in South America, you know, open up their borders, make it easier for travel. Some of the quarantine periods aren't realistic to have us travel down there, wait, and then host one event. So we're all kind of playing the waiting game, but uh, I'm just trying to stay sharp and be ready when I do get that go ahead. Now, and you've had other opportunities to to play uh, abroad, if I'm not mistaken. What have been some of those experiences um, and how did those maybe prepare you for now the, the journey you're on here to, to try to eventually get to the PGA tour full time? Absolutely. Yeah. I've uh, been very fortunate to see a lot of the world that I may not have seen if it wasn't for golf. I played uh, quite a bit over in Europe, played some golf in Asia. Uh, and it's, it's definitely prepared me because there's different styles of golf. You know, you see different weather conditions, you see, maybe different course conditions that you wouldn't see over here in the United States. You know, we're pretty spoiled sometimes with the conditions of golf courses. So just seeing everything prepares you and you can draw on those experiences. And that's something that uh, I really feel like when I get in contention is something that I have over someone who maybe hasn't experienced those things. You can talk about it. You can think about it. You can prepare for it, but the experience is invaluable. Now, have you had an opportunity? I know there are some of the, the world famous golf courses that that, you know, average golfers like myself and other people, they, they have dreams of playing on those, you know, possibly, you know, the St. Andrews old course playing at Pebble Beach. Have you had the opportunities to to play at some of those? And did you have a, I guess, quote unquote, a, a bucket list of golf courses that you would like to play? And then are, are there still one or two that are out there that, you know, that would kind of fulfill my dream as a just a golf enthusiast to be able to play around at one of those courses. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't really think about it in terms of a bucket list in terms of list of courses, because I know that if I get to where I need to be, which is on the PGA tour, that basically I'm going to fulfill those almost by default, which is, you know, like you said, that's, that's a pretty cool perk, but 
right now I don't really have what I would consider a bucket list courses, but I have been fortunate enough to play a lot of those that a lot of people would consider bucket list courses. And, you know, just being a member of PGA tour, or PGA tour, Latin America have some opportunities. So we can play any TPC course in the country. So I travel up to TPC Sawgrass, and, you know, practice there and some things that uh, definitely bucket list type stuff that I have the opportunity to do. Now, the other thing we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in, in terms of the differences in levels. And I, I think people don't, they, they see the money when we, we talk about a guy like a Tiger Woods and a Phil Mickelson, those type of people, they've got private jets, they've got endorsement deals. When you're a guy, and I don't want to say you're, you're struggling to make it because you're, you're evidently having fun and it's, and you know, but from a financial standpoint, a lot of the burden for, for people at the quote unquote minor leagues of golf, that's on you. I mean, you're, you're, I'm guessing you're getting in your car and you're driving and you're staying at, you know, wherever you can find a good deal at a, at a hotel and, Maybe do you use a course caddy? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's not always glamorous. In fact, it's uh, it's the opposite sometimes. But you know, I've won 32 times at the professional level, and a lot of times, you know, all that does essentially is get you to the next the next event or the next few events. It's one of those things that you know the money on the PGA Tour is what you see, and that's that's sponsor money. You have all kinds of sponsors putting in millions of dollars whereas on the minor league levels you have you know the players essentially all putting in our own money basically like playing poker yeah. you know we're all betting on ourselves there's not that um, huge backing now you know the thing is once you get to the pga tour then before you tee it up you're making all kinds of money with endorsements and sponsor deals so it's one of those things you invest on the front end and when you make it it pays off big time now, when when you were able to play in the in the John Deere tournament there, talking about the the caddies there, did I'm, I'm since that was your your only PGA event to date, did you have somebody was your dad on the bag or one of your sisters or a friend? How did I, I see the stories occasionally? You know, when you ha, you have those feel good stories on when you're watching golf on TV about you know that special relationship and who was on their bag. Who who did you have on your bag when you made your PGA de- debut? Yeah, so I had um, Steve Schwabe on the bag. He's a Quad City native, and uh, I played a lot of golf with with Steve growing up when I first started playing, and uh, he caddies for me quite often. We actually uh, we won in Chicago on the Advocates Pro Tour. He was on the bag, and that was uh, two weeks before the John Deere. So we were in a pretty good uh, we were in a pretty good place, and we were on a pretty good roll. So I was very very thankful to have Steve on the bag. Okay. And then, so for you, I, yeah. I guess the, the next steps in the progression here for you, you the, hopefully Latin America opens back up here for you guys to be able to do that. But with, with golf, the way it is right now, or how to, have you had an opportunity to maybe, is there, are there sponsor exemptions where you may get another opportunity at, at a PGA tour event like the John Deere or those things that, that you're not really counting on right now, you're going to try to you know grind it out and make this happen on your own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always opportunities out there. You don't know when they're going to happen, but uh, there's also Monday qualifiers where you go out, you play well on one day, and you get in the event. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of avenues. And with the shutdown, it's actually been uh, very interesting. So I've always, you know, helped out with the Augustana team and, you know, done a lot of coaching when I've been around. But uh, with the shutdown, I've actually been doing a lot more uh, golf instruction and coaching. So this past summer, 
Um, I teamed up with Davenport Country Club in Davenport, Iowa, which is a top 100 club and incredible place. And I've been doing a lot more teaching of the game, which, you know, in the back of my mind, I was worried, hey, is this going to take away from some of my practice time? Uh, do I really love the game of golf? All that. And uh, I really found out that I do because I'd be out there, I'd teach the game, love teaching it, love imparting the wisdom. And then before or after my lessons, I would be out there grinding on my own game. So it was something that, you know, I was a little bit worried about, but with the shutdown, I needed something to do. And it turned out to be a huge blessing. Okay. Well, David, we do appreciate you, you catching up with us here. Um, hopefully you guys will be able to get out and play some, some golf for the opportunity to, to take that next step in your, your professional career. And it's great to hear that you're having some success and still, you know, plugging away at it there. And hopefully one of these days we'll be watching you on the masters or the, the U S open holding up one of those trophies or, or you'll be the story they'll be talking about on, you know, Saturday or Sunday that, Hey, this guy came out of nowhere, but you know, after talking to you, we know it, it didn't just happen overnight. Exactly. There's no such thing as an overnight story, but when that happens, I hope to have a, a big EIU crew around. So that'll be a great time. All right. Well, we appreciate David and best of luck. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully you guys will be able to get out there and, and start playing some competitive golf here in the near future. I appreciate it. Great talking with you. Wow, <laughs> wow,